We're not going to talk about Adric's erection, are we? It's a totally unfamiliar world. You see, they're not naturally familiar with mechanical principles nor machines. Why, even the language applying to uh, common processes and tools are new to them. It must sound like double talk to them. It takes time to make them feel at home, but it can be done. Welcome to Binro with Rye. My name's Betsy Chevron. I'm Disc Grinder. And tonight we're going to talk about companions. Yeah. But first, yeah. uh, we'd like to say thank you. Big thank you. Big thank you to Rob from Who Wars, yeah. who's been saying some lovely things about us. Yeah. And plugging us on his brilliant podcast, which yeah, fantastic you, podcast. all three of you should listen to. Who Wars, all three of them. <laughs> Who Wars, which is about the mashup between... Well, it's not a mashup, is it? It's about uh, Star Wars and Doctor Who. Hence Who Wars. Mm. I thought when you first told me about it, I thought it was actually going to be about people arguing about Doctor Who, uh, but it's not. Um, and I also should apologise, I made a bit of an off-colour comment when um, uh, Rob was asking a general question on his on his Twitter timeline and I said something which I thought was funny, but when I read it back, it wasn't. I'm not going to say what it was, but uh, I apologised with, with as much speed as I could muster should have deleted it, but you know what's done is done. Well, I so, am very sorry. So thank you and sorry in yes. equal measure. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thank you a bit more. Yeah. Um, and moving on, tonight we're going to talk about companions, but it would take us far too long to talk through every single companion yeah. who ever set foot on the TARDIS. So we're mainly going to focus on the ones that we find the most interesting, mm-hmm. um, that we like the most. Yes. Um, I think or, we're going to, or even if you don't like them, because I didn't. There's a couple of companions that I didn't like, but I still thought were extremely effective. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm. I'm not planning to talk about anyone that I dislike intensely. Well, it's um, interesting. Is do you dislike? Is your dislike because of the characterisation, the person, or is it just you didn't like them because they were crap? You know, as in, in production terms, you like. Six of one, half dozen of the other, yeah. probably literally. Um, yeah, because one one that, that we will mention at some point, which is not in uh, in the list, is Adric. And I've always wondered: it is do you dislike? Do people dislike Adric because he's actually crap, or because his character is actually quite irritating as well? And was it just a kind of confluence of events that made the awful acting? Um, of Mr. Waterhouse and Adric's horrible character, a, a kind of vicious circle of destructive energy. Well, I'm not going to defend Adric in no. this in any conventional sense, but I will say that I think Matthew Waterhouse probably could have done a lot better in the hearts and minds of Doctor Who fans everywhere if yeah. he'd been given better material to work with. That's and I think the same point. is true of a lot of the more maligned. Uh, characters, mm. Dodo Chaplet, for example. Um, I think poor Jackie Lane got a really raw deal on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's not on my list. So unless you plan to talk about her, no, I don't think we can no, go. I think into, we talked about her in the last uh, episode. Very briefly, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, it's just one thing I was going to say about Adric as well that Matthew Waterhouse has had a chance to redeem himself because I think he's going to be on big finish, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and, he's uh, finally he's going to be able to he's going to be get, getting the material that uh, hopefully will he will shine. Hopefully, I mean Mel Bush certainly has come into her own as far as I'm concerned in big finish, and although I loved her on screen as well, um, Katie Manning was amazing as Joe Grant with John Pertwee and she's been amazing as Joe Grant in Big Finish as well yeah. so a lot of actors who whether they had a good run or not on screen are getting some excellent opportunities in audio form yeah. um, thanks to Nick, Nick Briggs et al yeah um, did he eat them all <laughs> right yeah so let's move let's let's get straight get into, into it, it. Yeah. yeah so you are a big fan of Harry Sullivan I am, yeah. Would you like to talk about Harry for a bit? Well, I was thought we were going to start in chronological order, and you were going to do Barbara first because I was I was really looking forward to hearing you talk about Barbara. I, I can do Harry if you like. Should I do Harry? Let's talk about Harry. It doesn't need to be in chronological Harry's order. That lovely. makes it predictable. Yes, Harry is lovely. He's just such a lovely chap. Right from his first uh, uh, scene with the Doctor, when uh, the, the skipping scene. And the and the which could have been so clumsy, but was just fantastic. And then ending ending up upside down in the cupboard in the in the laboratory, and still being f- fairly unruffled. Uh, Tim, slightly not as dim uh, character. He's just excellent. Uh, I think he's fantastic in Genesis of the Daleks. I think he's just uh, wonderful in Robot. Um, he's was it was it only the one season that he appeared in? Robot, the first uh, the first uh, Tom Baker episode. Yeah. Um... Harry Potter, uh, not Harry Potter. Harry Sullivan was in that, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, the the Tom Baker's first outing as the Doctor was a uh, script that had actually been written for John Pertwee, and. Uh, that was the that was when Harry uh, gets introduced um, with the with the skipping rope incident, and uh, the Doctor doing doing a slight Romana um, coming in and out of the TARDIS wearing uh, various um, costumes. Yeah, yeah, loved the Harry. So, what is it about his character that you find so engaging? He's he's one of those lovely. A certain type of lovely public school boy who hasn't got a contentious bone in his body, comes from a fairly privileged background, has had a has had a life, I would say fairly easy, fairly privileged, but has got no no nastiness in him whatsoever. A very brave uh, person, uh, absolutely. Um, uh, um, brings out the strengths in uh, the fourth doctor uh, Harry you're improving in the arc in space was just such a wonderful uh, uh, line and the way those three characters in the arc in space uh, interact is just fantastic uh, I mean things like um, Harry, Harry's comments I, I don't even know whether this is a proper quote but he would say something like this to Sarah Jane like come on old girl you know and it's, there's a certain type of Old school charm and and comfortable um, uh, pleasure in 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 uh, listening to this 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 boy scout bumbling through the universe 
on the uh, coattails of uh, one of the maddest doctors ever. Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, yay Harry. Um, and uh, you're also a, a big fan of, of Sarah. Oh yes, absolutely. We touched on it before, is that that uh, uh, I hadn't realised. I didn't pick up on the badly written um, uh, what uh, sw- sweaty blokes in smoky rooms think of as feminism, which was going on, you know, when she was she was kind of brought into uh, Doctor Who to be the feisty journalist with a kind of women's lib um, agenda, which she didn't. Um, she was very, uh, very forthright. Knew exactly what to say to Tom Baker's incarnation, and and even John Pertwee. She gave as good as she got uh, 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 as she got with John Pertwee. Uh, especially, it was a kind of massive sea change after Joe Grant, who Joe Grant got to to punch her weight as well with with uh, John Pertwee's Doctor. Uh, one of the saddest scenes ever uh, in Doctor Who uh, when. Uh, he drives off into the sunset after saying goodbye to Joe Grant. That is that is quite. That's quite a good one, isn't it? I mean, we were saying uh, that there's no that the emotions weren't as amped up in classic Who as they were in certainly in Russell T Davies's era, but uh, when they did it, they did it with such underplayed uh, uh, effectiveness, you know. Yeah, and the the companion departures weren't such an event. No. Um, as they are now, they weren't. They they weren't um, seeded quite so. I don't know. Other blatantly, the best, <laughs> the best thing that Adric ever was in was a scene that he wasn't in at the end of uh, of Earthshock when the credits went silent. That was massively effective. Where there was no signature tune at the end of the thing, it was just like mm. he's dead, he's gone. That was a proper companion death. It was. It was. It was very EastEnders, where they play the different theme. It's. It was. This is what's happened. Yeah. Um, We're not going to talk about him anymore, though, are we? Well, we can if you want to talk about <laughs> no, him. No, I, just thought, I thought it was a lovely, a lovely. Uh, well, not lovely, but a very effective ending uh, um, to to that to that episode. I mean, that was a great Earthshock. I mean, whatever people may have opinions about Eric Star Wars. And how he effectively uh, killed Doctor Who, and him and uh, and the other twats in charge at the time. But that was actually Earthshock was pretty damn good. Uh, not huge waves of agreement coming from the Chevron corner. Um, I'm going to refrain from saying anything disparaging about John Nathan Turner or Eric Sayward tonight. I think. Cool. Um, All right. Um, but you mentioned Barbara before. Yay! Because Barbara. you know I love her. Yeah, Barbara Wright. Um, Jacqueline Hill's amazing. She was great when she came back as a completely different character in Megloss. Um, really, I didn't know that. Lexa in Megloss with the <gasps> grey hair thing going on, beautiful. Um, but as Barbara, as the first female companion, if you don't count Susan, I know you do because you love Susan. You fancy the pants off Susan. Yeah, I do actually. Um, Barbara was was it for me. Mm. Um, when I discovered the first Doctor Stories, because it, the first one I saw was the Aztecs of the first Doctor Stories. Wow, you, that's a good introduction, isn't and it? And you really can't fail to love Barbara in the Aztecs. She's so 
commanding and strong and um, composed mm. throughout. And she's also, throughout her run, constantly thinking like a teacher. When Susan sprains her ankle and is uh, consigned to the TARDIS, mm. inevitably Barbara will go with her because Barbara's being a good teacher. Clara, mm. take note. Um, she, she clearly... Good point. Um, if she's fearing for her life in any scenario, yeah. she's putting her students' life above her own. So yeah. something like the Reign of Terror when they're all um, sentenced to the guillotine. Yeah. She's, you know, she's... It's shit scary for them all, mm. but she's still thinking like a teacher. Oh, and there's uh, the, the, the slightly farcical impersonation of a Dalek over the intercom in the um, invasion story where she pats her mouth in order to basically... Attempts to do an impersonation of a ring modulator. Uh, that's still that's Barbara being Barbara, doing doing the right thing. Can you do any better? No, of course not. You're not even going to attempt to. So, I really don't feel the need to say a lot about Barbara because she speaks for herself. Yeah, beautiful woman. She was a beautiful woman. Yeah. Um, Who was the actress? Jacqueline Hill. Jacqueline Hill. You did say that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Is there anyone else you want to talk about at this I juncture? Well, I, I, I quite like... I don't know whether it's actually intentional, but the parallels between Clara and Danny, especially in the the uh, the forest one, uh, and... Um, Ian and do you know I've gone completely blank? I was just going to say I've gone completely blank on Ian's name. Ian and Barbara. And that they're almost the opposite way round. I Danny is the moral linchpin who's who's trying to be right and do right for the children all the time. Mm. Clara is the action hero, and to a certain extent, maybe it was reversing that. I mean, it's it's a. I think there's, that's that's a fair point, but I also think that whilst there may be parallels to make between the English teacher and the maths teacher in the in the in Coalhill School now mm. and um, the teachers from Coalhill School then. Really, they are first and foremost way more professional than Clara and Danny are now. Really, yeah. Um, especially because with the way that the current series works, with we're, we're, we're meant to be far more invested in Clara's emotions right. than we would be Ian or Barbara's. Clara is entirely motivated by, especially in In the Forest of Night, yeah. which I think is what you were referring to as well. Mm. Clara is very much focused on the preservation of her relationship with Danny. Right. She seems... And the Doctor. Yeah. I know um, other people have mentioned it, but she really doesn't seem particularly concerned with the kids and mm. whether or not they ever see their parents again. She seems to think sending them into the TARDIS and not giving them the opportunity to see their parents again if their parents live through whatever's going on mm. is... Not to protect their emotional frailty, but purely a, a self-preservation technique because she wants to make sure that she and Danny are okay. He's just really? found the, the exercise books, her marking in the TARDIS, right. and has rumbled her for lying for who knows what the passage of time is at this point. I think Probably all that's at least intentional. I mean, I, 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 we shouldn't... Well, it's intentional, but yeah. I think it's... I mean, it's something... That if you're talking about the characterisation of the teachers yeah. in um, the first Doctor's run and mm. teachers now, mm. it's much less about... There, there was 
you know, there was ambiguity around the relationship between Ian and, Ian and Barbara that was never really addressed. Whereas there's no ambiguity between Danny and Clara. No. They're having an inappropriate work romance. Yeah. Um, and that is clouding Clara's judgment in her professional capacity. Yeah. Whereas if there was something going on between Ian and Barbara, neither of them ever let on in a way that would jeopardise Susan mm. or if any of their other students were about. I mean, it, again, it's sort of like um, in-universe uh, 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 thoughts, the, the relationship between Ian and Barbara it, 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 it is acting out in a certain way, but out of the universe, in, sort of in, in the production land, in the, uh, the BBC making an educational programme Four children to be played at tea time on a Saturday after the football. Um, it was there was not a breath of that would have been anywhere near. I mean, even if the actors tried to bring some of it to it, and I don't think they did, that just it just wouldn't have happened. It was a totally different kind of show then. Mm. You know, I uh, mean, even even in the eighties, there was at one point supposed to be. Um, it was supposed to be explicit that. Uh, Ace had lost virginity at one point. Really? Yeah, I can't remember which serial it was. Right. I think it was a Briggs story, and that was vetoed. Right. Because not appropriate. Right. Um, Didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'll be able to find some source and link to it in the show notes. Mm. So, shall we move on to another companion? Well, yeah. Um, I think the next one. Uh, who's an interesting character for, for again, out-of-universe reasons, in, in my estimation, is Stephen, mm-hmm. played by Peter Purvis. Yeah. Now, that's what I mean by out-of-universe. It's like, in the programme, he is, you know, this gung-ho uh, hero type. He's Ian's replacement, to, uh, really, isn't he? First, is it the, the yeah. mechanoids where he's, he, he first comes in with that beautiful um, design of the mechanoid city? Ian's gone, and then at the beginning of the time medley, he yeah. stumbles into the TARDIS. Right. And he has a panda as well. With Yes, with Hi-Fi the panda. Hi-Fi? What a cool name for a panda. So, um, the thing that, that was interesting to me when, uh, when I found out that, that having seen some black and white episodes was I immediately thought, that's Peter Purvis out of um, Blue Peter. And that's the way round I came to it. So it was completely kind of jarring to see somebody who... You know, uh, uh, was was a, a big part of Tea Time seventies um, uh, television, t- uh, t- two times a week, every week, every fifty two weeks of the year, um, and then to find out that he was actually this kind of heroic uh, um, um, uh, uh, companion in early Doctor Who was was quite uh, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I don't think people worry about too much anymore. Because if you think about it, um, when the show was brought back, mm. f- even though her career had been mainly being Chris Evans's wife for a few years, there were a load of people who were probably about 15 in 2005 yeah. who would remember dancing at a primary school disco to Because We Want To by Billy. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's what she would have been. She would have been a failed pop star to them. Yeah. Um, well, there was that. There, there was quite a lot of um, one of the first times when they started talking about, oh, this is just stunt casting with with Billy Piper. But she completely blew that out of the water within the first ten minutes. No, of the she episode. did really, really well in it. And it was like, this is stunt because she's a great actress. And of course, the, the, before season eight started, a lot of people were insisting that Peter Capaldi was 
could only play Malcolm Tucker and therefore the Doctor would be Malcolm Tucker. And I'm not going to say there haven't been shades of it in no. season eight, but there's more to him as an actor than that. And you've got oh, to look yeah. past the things you've seen him in before. Yeah. Whether that be the thick of it or Neverwhere, mm-hmm. or if you see him as an excellent writer and director who won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a versatile actor. Mm. So stunt casting as it may be, although reverse in the re- reverse in terms of Peter Purvis as he hadn't done Blue Peter no. at that point. Um, although he did. Tommy Wiley stunt casting. I've seen a lot of Purvis Blue Peter clips in which he sort of seemingly embarrassed says, I was on Doctor Who and here's a piece about Doctor Who. Because well, actually, every time we do a piece on Doctor Who, they make me introduce it because I was on Doctor Who and I'm a little bit embarrassed now because it's getting a bit tired. He's actually the same character. He's the same character in Blue Peter. <laughs> well, Blue Peter presenters are yeah. all a character. It would be almost as jarring if John Noakes, you'd found out that John Noakes had been on Quatermass. You know, it was just... Um, it would be as jarring as if Anthea Turner had been in the stone tape. But was she? <laughs> the horror the yeah. horror oh we're coming out I, I can I can I know who's coming up next which is uh, fantastic Mr. McCrimmon it's got to be hasn't it do we talk about Mr. McCrimmon next well I wasn't going to but now that you've mentioned him really? we'll talk about Jamie next oh yeah got to be okay so Jamie is one of my favourite companions given that the, the, the second Doctor is your favourite Doctor yeah that's hardly surprising yeah yeah I, I, I've got a lot of time for Jamie. I think the special relationship that he, in particular, has with Doctor is really fun to watch. You can tell that there was great affection on oh, yeah. and off screen. Yeah. Um, the, the dynamic between the two of them is, is so fun to watch. And in terms of characterisation, for me, he's one of the the closest you can get to an ideal companion because he comes in curious and confused and scared mm-hmm. and he gains confidence but also just learns so much mm-hmm. over his time in the TARDIS. Um, and whilst Patrick Troughton does play an authority figure, a clownish mm. authority figure, Right. Um, and at times might admonish Jamie you see the twinkle in his eye and it's yeah, okay yeah. there's this great playfulness between them mm. that I just really enjoy watching the fact that they made a joke of ad-libbing whenever they stepped out of the TARDIS Jamie would go oh that's a big one isn't it Doctor <laughs> um, which is something Fraser Hines said in one of the many many interviews he's done for the two entertained DVDs Yeah. so well I mean talking about ad-libbing of course there's that famous scene when they when the Doctor goes to hold um, Victoria's hand and ends up grabbing Jamie's in the tombs. Tomb of the Cybermen, yeah. yeah. Which we would never have seen. You know, Tomb of the Cybermen was was, um, recovered in the early 90s, wasn't it? And up until that time, nobody knew that would actually happen. And that's what's lovely about things like the Web of Fear and um, uh, Enemy of the World coming back, is you see so much more going on, so much more in that relationship, because you've actually seen them doing it rather than it being in tally snaps, you know, a, uh, you know, basically a slideshow with audio, if people don't know what tally snaps are. Um, <laughs> which I think they probably do if they're listening to a Doctor Who podcast. So that was a silly thing to say. But, um, yeah, so the wonderful dynamic between um, Patrick Troughton 
and uh, Jamie was lovely and it kind of spilled over to the other companions as well you know uh, I mean even Victoria who was a bit of a uh, was a bit wet um, there were still some great moments that I think came out of the, the, the kind of three-hander that they were in. Well, they because, I mean, with Zoe being hyper-intelligent and we'll get to, and having her eidetic memory, it's very mm. difficult for anyone to talk down to Zoe. Mm. Whereas, because Victoria was just such a silly little girl a mm. lot of the time, um, you did get to have that I look down on him, he looks down on me kind of oh, dynamic right. with... Yeah the doctor at the top and Jamie who by this point had gained a certain status from learning from the doctor Mm. and then Victoria sort of being protected by big strong Jamie so therefore he's dominant of her and there was that hierarchy Victoria had a very very tragic uh, uh, introduction isn't it because her father was killed in the Daleks I'm going to say the master plan probably wrong I don't know so um, uh, and if it wasn't Victoria was the one who kind of uh, um, catalyzed one of the greatest one of the greatest speeches that Patrick Troughton's doctor did was the one where I keep my family here you know uh, which was uh, which was just lovely uh, uh, hugely memorable when you see it um, so yeah Patrick Troughton when he talks about his family and, and uh, uh, to Victoria because he's trying to console her because she's been thrown into, you know, a completely different life because of the awful things that's happened to her in, in, in the previous uh, serial. Is it the evil of the Daleks rather than the, the, yeah. Okay, so who's next? Have you have we said enough about Zoe? Really, I mean, she's such a great character. Well, I hadn't formally got on to Zoe, but I can certainly get on to Zoe. Oh, yes, please. Okay. I, again, um, have mentioned this before, mm-hmm. but for me, Zoe is one of the few people who's ever stepped into the TARDIS and been anything like an intellectual match for the Doctor. Yeah. And it's not explicitly said how old she is, although the publicity uh, at the time she was hired... Mm. Um, advertised Zoe as, as a 15 year old really? from the future yeah she's supposed to be 15 theoretically right. and um, she holds a degree in pure maths at a tender age yes and is a genius fantastic and um, she has an eidetic memory and advanced learning techniques from her and time and it's a funny thing you should say it's eidetic memories photographic memories are supposed to be an evolutionary dead end it's like it's, it's something that we apparently had and we left behind because it's it's it isn't. This is such a digression, but it, it it's not. It's a step towards what, what what we now have is that we have a kind of internal editor who decides what memories we should have and uh, what's important and rearranges them. Well, certainly rearranges my memories. So <laughs> a little homunculus in my mind. Um, yeah, but yeah, so there were some great scenes like uh, um, her getting so pleased that she's uh, fallen into the Crotons. Well, not not pleased that she's she's uh, beaten the Crotons' intelligence machine, but uh, well, no, she she expresses um, 
genuine excitement that the Crotons have told her they're pleased with her. Yeah. And then stops for a second and goes, that's very odd that I'm pleased about that. What's <laughs> and so she's, so she's uh, unlike... Unlike everyone in the Crotons who's been chosen through using these machines um, and been given encouragement by the Crotons mm. and gone, oh, isn't it wonderful? She is the first person to slip on the headset and go, oh, it's lovely. They're really pleased with me. Wait, why am I happy that they're pleased yeah, with yeah. me? What's going on? Does that is that uh, is that more about the um, <laughs> is that I'm just uh, is that more about um, I've forgotten. I've lost my place now. Zoe, Crotons. Oh, yes, that's Pleased. One. Yes, please. Is it? Is that just more evidence that she's that intelligent, that she kind of realises halfway through, you know, that I know what I'm doing now, whereas normal characterisation would be, oh, you silly sod, uh, and, and, and that will become part of the... Part of the plot is that your stupid mistake is what's got in, got us into this bother. Whereas Zoe actually realises halfway through that she's making that mistake, and uh, and so on and so forth. I don't know. No, that's <laughs> good. I'm glad I self pointed that out then. Yeah, and uh, we uh, one of the um, uh, a podcast idea that we've been talking about doing in the future is one about uh, a certain kind. Of, well, exits. We're going to do exits, uh, and so we probably won't talk too much about this. But the horrible way that Zoe and Jamie get written out—you know, their memories are wiped and they're put back in the situations that they were in. Mm. You know, which for Jamie it's, means it's he's going to get killed. <laughs> it's it's unceremonious. It really is. It's the do the doctor's being taken back to Gallifrey to be tried. He's going to be um, exiled to Earth. What happens to his companions? Oh, we'll just wipe their minds and put them back. Who cares? Um, Talking about unceremonious, we're coming on to Liz Shaw. And where did she go? <laughs> okay, let's talk about Liz Shaw. <laughs> yeah. She's basically, uh, yeah. So, because she lasted one season and then buggered off. Yep. And, and, and that was definitely an unceremonious exit. Oh, she doesn't get a farewell. Um... In the season opener um, of the next of, of the next season, the brig just announces that she's gone. Yeah. Um, because and, and and it's because she felt underused by the doctor. And to be honest, it's it's a fair cop. She she had great potential, mm. and she was written out by uh, Barry Letts and Terence Dix because um, they felt that she wasn't fulfilling the role of the companion. And that she was more of an audience surrogate than anything else, which oh, right. wasn't what they wanted at the time. What does that mean? What does what does audience surrogate mean? Rather than helping the Doctor advance his his own plot, yeah, they're they're there to express what the writers want the audience to feel, and they're there oh, right, for a okay. certain level of exposition. Right, and that's really what she was. She was a glorified test tube holder at at, at one point, right. really. But um, then, you, but then, but then, counter to that, you've got absolutely fantastic proper Doctor Who with Inferno where she plays two characters and is Inferno am I right Inferno is amazing last, yeah. Inferno is absolutely fantastic was that her last one was Inferno the last yes, one yes it would have it been. was where she does get a little bit of a, a tiny farewell but it doesn't but, but it's, it's not, not really it's not really a farewell for the series yeah it's, 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 it's looking back on it and post and thinking oh okay then it's, yeah it's, it's fans like you and me going 
Well, at least she got to make, make a little bit of an exit. Although she was in Probe, which was um, a series of director-video stories out uh, tangentially within the Who universe. Really? Um, written by Mark Gatiss in the 90s. I didn't um, know that. And I've not seen them. No, and I really, really want to see them. And really. I have, ever since I've been on Twitter, I've been tweeting at Mark Gatiss regularly, mm -hmm. asking him if there's ever going to be a probe release on DVD. Um, especially around Christmas time. So that's in, that. the, that's in the Doctor Who universe? It's not official. Well, right, it's okay. not officially licensed. It's, it, it's during the years of um, sort of fan output, as it were. Um, but unfortunately, Mr. Gates has, has yet to respond to my polite requests on the internet. Yeah, not blocked you, No, no. <laughs> not like, um, oh, never mind, we won't get into that. We are being very polite and very... Uh, it's very out of character today. for you. What's going on? Uh, it's been a long day. Right, I'm going to skip ahead. Yeah. Because I've not got many companions in New Series Who that I'm all that fond of. No. <laughs> I think we demonstrated that last week, didn't we? However, I know that you quite like Don and Noble. Yeah. And I quite like Don and Noble. Yeah. So should we talk about Don and Noble? Yeah, why not? Um, again, you could say it was stunt casting. And I think people did say at the time that it was stunt casting. And she appeared on the first one. I don't know the story. Maybe you do. Is was she, was she always going to be? Because she did she did the first one, didn't she? Where she was in the she was getting married and turned out to be marrying um, a spider's minion. <clears throat> and then she went away for a bit because mm. then we went into Martha's yeah. uh, 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 tenure, and then she came back. What I wondered was, did did they had that always been planned? Were they going? Was was uh, Catherine Tate always going to be in that? Um, I forget which series it was now. Five. I genuinely don't know if it was planned. Mm. Um, she I, was fantastic. I mean, she got she. Well, uh, there's a reason. If if it wasn't planned, then it's understandable that considering how well she did in that special, mm. that they brought her back. That's what I was getting to. Was was was, was that the case that they realised that what they'd that maybe there was an element of stunt casting uh, with uh, Catherine Tate, who who was um, at that time at the height of her powers with a with a BBC uh, primetime uh, comedy show, half hours, uh, with some fantastic characters in that. Uh, Were there? Oh, I thought so. Grant's fucking lovely. What a load of shite. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't a fan. You're not a fan of that? Oh, I do. No. Um, so, so, but yeah, so, so uh, the, the kind of people who'd seen that and associated Catherine Tate with not very funny character-based comedy were probably gnashing their teeth and rending their hair when they found she was going to be on... Well, it's funny you say that because I really disliked her sketch show and when I first heard that she was joining the cast, I wasn't wildly enthused. No. And I grew, and, I, and at the time, she became my favourite companion yeah. to date. Mm. At the time, I mean, she put well, I, I new think, series companion to date. Well, I think she put um, David Tennant's uh, Doctor on his metal and was um, was an antidote to his um, emo, overweening, vanity. Um, character. Well, that might be why I liked her. <laughs> I think because, as we've established, I'm not a fan of David Tennant. No. 
and I I did find it um, I did find it get on with it <laughs> I'm pausing just so trying I can to edit it out yeah. I'm not a fan of David Tennant and yeah. so I did find it refreshing that someone was challenging him and un- and not necessarily undermining him no but, um, not letting him get away with it yeah because then you get after she's buggered off um, you get the water of Mars when, when you can see what he's going to be like you know and, and I think it's a great I think it's a great idea that uh, was that the doctors should never be alone Dolly Mabel I thought was absolutely fantastic and again funnily enough that we talked talked about uh, how awful the fate of Zoe and Jamie was the way that they were written out by having their memories wiped and Jamie sent back to Culloden and Zoe back to the uh, space station uh, with no memory uh, of their wonderful adventures that they had um, same things happens to Donna She's she has her memory wiped and uh, how sad it is yes I think it's it's unfair it's a death well it's it's tantamount it's it's painful and it's 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 painful and yeah. sad. <laughs> it's painful and sad. I think we've established that it. it's painful and sad. Um, so, so that was your favourite. But you did. You made a point, and you said to date, your favourite companion to date. Does that mean that ever since Donna Noble, you've not been a fan? No, I'm companions? saying at that point. At that point, sorry, that's she was my favourite of the new series companions. I didn't, mm. you know, I didn't really like Rose by the end. No. Um, he, uh, she, she, who, she who shall not be named, we've discussed already. Um, so Donna, at that point, I quite liked as a companion. Yeah. I also really, really liked Wilfred Mott. Oh, yeah. Who does count, as far as I'm concerned. He travelled in the TARDIS. Uh, he got involved. He was yeah. heavily involved at the end. Well, I like, uh, similarly, I liked Rory's dad. He travelled in the TARDIS, and uh, Mark Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic! I love Mark Williams, um, I, and I thought he was great in um, Spiders on an Aeroplane or Dinosaurs Up a Tree. I forget what it's called. Dinosaurs in a spaceship, up a spaceship, down a spaceship, near a spaceship. One carry on up the dinosaurs. <laughs> carry, on, a, yeah. carry on up the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you weren't particularly a fan of that uh, episode. It was all right. <clears throat> yeah. So, so new Who characters, uh, companions, and don't really feature in your list of great companions. Do Not they? as heavily. I mean, there aren't mm. as many of them. Let's be honest. And it's. it's I mean, Joe, it's, uh, 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 Joe Grant. Um, I, I mean, I love Joe Grant for all sorts of reasons, because some of the greatest uh, um, Doctor Who that I've watched it involved in the Green Death, fantastic. I love the mutants. I really like that one. In fact, that gets a lot of flack uh, for not being great, but uh, it's got absolutely fantastic um, creature design, um, I think, uh, and the head of the mutts, as they were called, was then used... Um, uh, as uh, 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 w- would have been a head for the uh, Mor- uh, Me- Morbius, Mebius, brain of Morbius, Morbius. isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I remember 
watching that as a kid and and being absolutely terrified by it but also finding it wonderful and uh, transporting as well especially the bit at the end with the with the t- we, we, we look back on it you you think it's terrible CSO but at the time it was amazing well should we have a proper discussion about Joe Grant then yeah go on then I love Joe Grant I didn't realize how much I loved Joe Grant until a couple of years ago right um, but I've recently realised just how great an actress Katie Manning is. Really? Because you don't get that, do just you? Just how likeable. I Well, I think I get it now that I've rewatched stuff, yeah. having listened to her on Big Finish. Yeah. I'm... Making a lot of noise whilst I'm rolling a cigarette. Betsy is um, so unpleased about the low quality of, of all of the sound that's going on. I mean, if I did mouth noise as well, that would make uh, that make you even happier, wouldn't it? It's me. Roll- I'm basically what I'm doing is I'm rolling a cigarette, and you can. That's what. That's the sound you can hear. Um, anyway, sorry, I interrupted you so rudely. I'm going to wait till you finish rolling, and then I'm going to start what I was saying again. Okay then. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm nearly there. You know, I just did a little. Great. So we talked about Joe. Wonderful Joe. And you're saying your your point being that she's a great act, uh, a great actor, or good actor, even. Are we ready? Yeah. So I really like Joe Grant. Yeah. I didn't realise until a couple of years ago how much I liked her. Yeah. And um, on rewatching Joe Grant serials, noticing how good her performance was. Mm. having listened to her on the Big Finish audios where she is absolutely blinding um, yeah, I've not caught any of those oh she's fantastic uh, the Scorchies is compulsory listening the, sorry, the Scorchies the Scorchies yes links in the show notes definitely well I'll be having a listen to that soon I've got I've just signed up to I've got my own uh, Big Finish account now mm-hmm. used to be able to get Big Finish stuff on iTunes but you can't now because I don't think they're making enough money out of it which was a bit of a shitter for me because I got halfway through the Dalek Empire series and was absolutely loving it. And then, uh, but now it's all is well because now I've worked out how to get um, stuff downloaded off Big Finish and onto my iPhone, which was uh, a bit more head scratching than it should have been. But yeah, so Scorchy's definitely going to. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Um, she's pretty prolific when it comes to the Big Finish stuff. You'll really? find a lot of Katie Manning stuff to download. Um, and she does an amazing John Pertwee impression. Oh, I've got to hear that. She does a really fantastic John Pertwee impression. Um, and they also, Big Finish released her one-woman show, Not A Well Woman, which is very funny, but absolutely heartbreaking. Really? So if you're interested in Katie Manning's work outside of Doctor Who, I'd highly recommend that. Um, but within the series proper... Yeah. Um, she was a style icon... She has firm for the dad status. Yeah. Um, she had a great boot collection. Yeah. Um, and she still wears all of those rings. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you find out if you watch interviews or listen to interviews with her is that she is blind as a bat. Really? And cannot see a thing without her glasses and stumbled round the sets of Doctor Who not knowing where she was going half right. the time because she couldn't see two mm. inches in front of her face. Um, but she's part of a really nice era of Doctor Who where she's genuinely part of a family. Oh, right. She's part of this unit family. Mm-hmm. That's very 
very heartwarming and comforting to watch and mm. in the same way that a lot of sitcoms will play to um, stereotypes mm-hmm. of certain cultures so that a family sitting around uh, the dinner table will see themselves in whatever TV show. All right. I think a lot of people can identify with that unit family. Yes. And Joe Grant was the cool big sister. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I just think she was great. She was fun. She, she had that thing that the best... Um, companions have where she wasn't an idiot mm. she was nobody's fool right. and she was proactive and brave yeah but she didn't know everything so it it meant that there was a good enough reason for the doctor to explain what was going on i say exposition a lot mm-hmm. because it's really important in this genre i think mm-hmm. um but she really did facilitate exposition in a not too patronizing way right whilst looking really cool and being cool and Definitely being an aspirational figure. Yes, when he was talking about that, is like I've I've got this picture in my mind of of Joe looking up at the at the uh, at uh, 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 the third Doctor with a slightly quizzical look, being almost the audience surrogate and saying, "Could you explain that again?" You know, mm. uh, but be- well, really well. And also, I don't I didn't get the family feeling when I was watching it because I was what you know. Nine or ten or eleven, and um, I found every Doctor Who episode at that time absolutely terrifying. So the family, the cosy family thing, was was not a part. <laughs> it was just this amazing adrenaline, uh, um, inspiring rush of deeply scary TV for me. You know, and looking back on it now, I do get that slightly cosy. I'd like to be in that universe feeling of I yeah. I'd like to be part of the unit family. I'd like to be. You know, bubbling off to Clacton, um, uh, which is a reference to the Three Doctors and the Brig and his the the wonder wonderfulness of uh, the Brig, um, who who was a huge part of the Unit family. And uh, what would you say? It was a patriarch, or is that the uh, what is? If you're saying it's a family, oh, yeah, it's not well, a family I mean, in like that you way, said, you I mean, you yourself said that the Doctor's the mad uncle, mm. right? So, the, oh, so right. he's the um, he he's definitely some kind of authority figure, yeah. the the doctor, but he's not the disciplinarian dad. That's that's the brig who's following protocol, but every now and then he bends the rules when it's really necessary. Chat with the wings. Chat with the ring, wings there, five rounds rapid, yep. <laughs> I just love that. That's just such a great... I want that on a T-shirt. I don't wear T-shirts now. But, uh, you know, too old for that. I'm, I'm not a man baby. Too old for clothes. <laughs> too old for clothes. Well, I guess, yes, doing this naked. Um, I'm not. Pity me. <laughs> Pity me. Chevron's wearing riot gear and I'm completely naked, so mm-hmm. that's not true. Um, I'm wearing a blindfold, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So another one who I think has a has a fair amount in common with Joe Grant, believe it or not, I'd say was Leela. Really? Well, I think again for the dads. Obviously. Every time you say Leela, I immediately want to go Leela, Aquamarina, but that's a Stingray reference, so that's daft. But um, um, same character. She performed in in a time where she was the sole companion. She performed double duty. I feel right. 
um, as the uneducated companion who facilitates the Doctor explaining things to her, but also as the action hero, which used to be the male part when the Doctor was slightly less physically able himself. Yeah. So she's sort of an Ian and a Susan. All right, nice one. Um, but in a loincloth. What was the greatest uh, Leela episode then, do you think? Serial, maybe, you should say. I mean, I've got one in the back of my head. Go on. Uh, Talons Wing Chang. Yeah. I love Talons. Yeah. I love Talons. Ignore the rat. Um, I remember Peter Hinchcliffe talking about the fact that what they should have done with the rat was make it wet, because then it would have been a bit more convincing. But then it would have been a wet rat that you ignored. But no, she was brilliant in that. And she was... I, oh, ah. Mm. Mm. Ah. Mm. Jenny. Leela. Uh, really? Jenny Leela, same kind of um, Leela's costume in the Talons. Well, Victorian yeah. traditional female dress. No, she was wearing trousers. She was wearing trousers. She was dressed as a page boy, almost. Do you remember? Pantaloons, maybe. Plus okay, fours. so. She had the same costume as Jenny did, is what I'm, what I'm getting to. You know. Okay, but there's absolutely no similarity between the characters whatsoever. Uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry I brought that up. <laughs> but I think she's great because whilst she was this noble savage, there, she wasn't in any way stupid. She wasn't educated. I mean, she was as far from Zoe as you could be in terms of her academic ability. However, mm. she was incredibly intuitive and she picks things up really quickly. So the doctor would explain something and she would then come up with... Um, some kind of metaphor in her own terms mm-hmm. that perfectly encapsulated it for the lay savage. For um, the lay savage. <laughs> she was, you know, the savage she was, is watching at home. She was deceptively <laughs> bright. Yeah. She was incredibly physically capable and a little bit quick to fight, mm-hmm. although she learned over time with the Doctor that perhaps yeah. kill it isn't, isn't necessarily the right reaction no. in every circumstance. But she really was incredibly smart and she like Jamie as well mm-hmm. is one of those characters that started off with this um, disadvantage in terms of her education right. but more impressive than those incredibly smart companions like Lish or like Zoe right. like Romana yeah. she understood things despite the fact that she didn't have the academic background right. and she was also Badass. Yeah. And wearing a loincloth. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of uh, Uma Thurman of the TARDIS. No. No. I'm just thinking Kill Bill. No. 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 All right. Again, <laughs> another point that I've raised that's completely pointless. Um, so. <laughs> say what you like. Yeah. Um, so. And where did she go? What, what was her exit? How did well, she, she's, I, she's on Gallifrey now. Of course she is. She's on Gallifrey. Who did she hook up with? Well, funnily enough, big finish again. Right. There's an entire series of her and Romana. Ooh. Wow. As soon as I leave tonight, you're going straight on the big finish website, aren't you? In like Flynn, yeah. Links in the show notes. Brilliant. Um, Speaking of Romana. Yay. Seems like a logical progression. Yeah. Was Romana exactly straight after Leela? Key time. Yes, it was Rybos. She, uh, Lila left just before the Rybos operation. Oh, right, okay. Um, so, yeah. Romana. Yes. 
Now, do we talk about Romana as two separate incarnations as completely different companions? Uh, I think so. Uh, I, th- I think picking up on a point you made earlier on about you saying that um, Zoe was the most intelligent companion that walked onto the TARDIS, could you not also make a, a, a case that Romana was two? I said she was one of. One of. Oh, okay. And I also think that um, uh, certainly at the beginning of the key to time, mm. um, at the behest of the White Guardian, Romana was there under duress and wasn't really a willing companion no. anyway. No. But she was, in her own mind, definitely a match for, if not a superior to. Yeah, and, we get, and out of that um, lovely interaction, we get a little bit of a Doctor backstory as well, is that he flunked his mm. his, uh, his his finals at, uh, at the Academy. I think it's a shame for Mary Tam that, in, in my opinion, the character gets weaker right. throughout that se- well, season. Well, that's part of the reason why she left, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because she thought she was... She started a... off as this intellectual equal um, and just became someone to be kidnapped or to scream a bit or to... Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't Elizabeth Sladen also make the same point when she, she was... So I'm going to do a whole bunch of screaming now. Well, she... I think the quote from her was that she felt at the end of her run she was just there to say, yes, doctor, no doctor. Right, OK. Um, but a lot of people fall into that, Liz Shaw, and, you know, mm. people who aren't really characters and are just... your point about audience. ...plot devices... Right. Yeah, not even audience surrogate no. because for an audience surrogate you're relating something for the audience right translating it almost yeah yeah or if you feel an emotion it's what the audience should be feeling all ah, right okay. if you're just there to hold a piece of equipment for the doctor yeah well you know just to hold the pass him the sonic screwdriver spear then... carrier yeah well precisely when i take my spear to the theater rick Mail reference yay so but the dynamic changed completely when Lala Ward took over. Yes, yeah. And do you think that's because or in spite of the fact that she and Tom Baker were balking? <laughs> you wouldn't put it quite like that. But no, probably, uh, definitely because of that. If you if you get the chance to have a look at the uh, Prime adverts that they did, they were completely in love. You could see it there. And, then, and now... Uh, Lala Ward is Richard Dawkins' wife, isn't she? Um, yeah, and then and and she uh, isn't she stuck in East Space now, with Marlon? Oh no, because you're saying that she came back to Gallifrey. Well, she didn't became she? the uh, she was the president of Gallifrey, and oh right, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, okay. She has an illustrious career. Mm. So, is there anyone else you want to talk about? Companions. Uh, well, well. There is really. There's one which I think, uh, which was um, talking about hormones and being the age I was. I had an absolute fantastic crush on the lippy Australian who wanted to get back to Heathrow. She, uh, she was just. She did something for me. Are you referring to Tegan? I am. Yay. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, she really did. It's like especially with the uh, with the whole. Hostess uniform and that kind of thing. You know, I mean, I was, I was when that was on. I was sixteen or seventeen, so it hit me just at the right time to, to, to yeah. Janet Fielding, very lovely looking woman. Uh, yeah. So and and really good as well. Really great character. I loved her bit in the Five Doctors, 
uh, when when you get proper Tegan mouthiness um, about not going off and making the tea or whatever it was. But yeah, she's top. Anyway, I I, I think she raised for me. Uh, if it hadn't been for Tegan, I wouldn't have watched um, the Fifth Doctor because I didn't like Peter Davidson. I fucking didn't like Adric. Nissa, I just passed me by completely. Didn't 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 not like her. Didn't thought she was pointless. You know, as I said in the last podcast, she was the one who went buggered off and slept in the TARDIS for most of the because uh, our favourite Eric Star Wars didn't know what to do with her. But no, Tegan, Tegan, or um, really uh, kind of. I would I I would make an effort to watch Doctor Who because of her um, uh, part in it, and not just because of the you know uh, the, the her her inherent attractiveness, but also I really like that character, really like that character. I think she was a great character. She was petulant and stubborn, and with bloody right, you know, it's like yeah, it's you know, not like she hadn't made it clear her. that she didn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, and she was great and I also think at the same time the other stubborn grumpy sod Turlo mm. uh, because I love the gingers and I love them grumpy <laughs> and I love them ambiguous in their alliances is Mark Strickson in any big finishes? Uh, a couple yeah yeah is he good? Um, I've not listened to many there's no. one that uh, I think there's a Paul Mars one that I've listened to that's really very good yeah. uh, I think I may be misremembering it's an amazing that. looking chap as well I mean he still is but I mean at the time he was he's a, a, a really weirdly good looking man mm. really weird something about mm. him that like kind of very chiselled mm. blue, <laughs> blue mm. eyes ginger just don't think about just don't think about him in his budgie smugglers meeting Perry just, that ruins everything but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but Turlow's just yeah I, I I like Turlo a lot I, because I love the fact that he's there to kill the doctor oh yeah he's 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 an he's an enemy he's this wolf in sheep's clothing yeah. but is he his you know he's he's got his yeah, own well, personal well, conflict well, it kind of petered out a bit though, it, well it? it did it yeah. had to but I still it had really to. it wasn't sustainable oh right okay and of course he you know he didn't have any great vendetta against the doctor the black guardian called him in and and he was co-opted by the black guardian he wasn't really given much of a choice um he was great at being a coward yeah i'm gonna because we've ended up with one person left on my list yeah um and i'm sure most people will groan and that's fine right um when i first discovered doctor who in the mid to late 90s right the most recent episodes of course were the Sylvester McCoy ones yeah and for a a young girl a young tomboy Ace was brilliant (laughs) I loved Ace she looked cool the way she listening to her talk now (laughs) it sounds a bit stupid but at the time she was so cool (laughs) Um, she made her own explosives she hit darts and her own swear words she was you know at the same time watching um, Red Dwarf when I probably shouldn't have yeah. been I was watching Ace and there was certain parallels with her ridiculousness um, oh she'd have been brilliant on Red Dwarf wouldn't she she'd have fit right in that's a great that's a whole new podcast episode. that was like, that was my youth that was that Red was... Dwarf universe totally fucking canon now totally red fucking you know like hard light hard light protectors in the uh, uh, Mummy on the Orient Express 
They've got Hard Light Express. Yeah. But yeah, that is, that's Red Dwarf is canon. So it's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because, of course, David Tennant's reference to Arthur Dent, lovely man. But I love that when all that stuff comes together. You know. But, uh, sorry, that's digressing from the companion thing, isn't it? But well, Ace, yeah, Ace, we've just discovered that uh, would have been fantastic on Red Dwarf. Yes, much, but... Much, much better than, than the actual Konchansky. Instead, she was brilliant on uh, Doctor Who instead. Mm. I thought she was great. Mm. I had a lot of time for her. Nah. Um, <laughs> much as I spoke in a previous episode about role models and not needing role models as a kid, if there was anyone I wanted to be, didn't yeah. matter that she was a girl. Oh, that's the, lovely. It made it better that she was a tomboy, actually. Yeah. Ace was, Ace was it yeah. in her jeans in Curse of Fen- you know she oh does... you made me watch that and I loved every minute of it and she was brilliant because I was as we've pointed out before that, uh, before I met uh, Chevron here I was a total self-denier and uh, Chevron has put me right so <laughs> in all of the pseudo-historicals that she did there weren't that many of them but mm-hmm. whenever she was in period dress you could see how pissed off she was that she was in a frock <laughs> and it was great <laughs> <laughs> pissed off in a frock um, so I think I've covered most of the people I was going to talk about I don't know if you've covered the people you wanted to talk about uh, just some outliers uh, Captain Jack great yeah. really? yeah I think so I mean I, I just Michael John who? John Barrowman that one yeah <laughs> he's his own musical <laughs> He's his own something. Um, <laughs> no, I liked it. I like. I like. Well, I just like that uh, that episode, the, the, that two parter when he gets introduced. I just, I just love all that bit. The bar- uh, Rose hanging off the barrage balloon, and you know, I just thought it was a great, great Christopher Eccleston bit of loveliness. And thereby, he, uh, he, 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 some of the glitter from that gets rubbed off on him, and he was okay in Torchwood. I actually haven't watched Torchwood. It's, it's a little it's bit. Too, I, I got the vibe that it was just a little bit too Hollyoaks after dark for me. Uh, no, I don't think that's quite fair. I think it's a bit better than that. I think okay. it's uh, maybe I'll give it a go. There are some good stories in it. I think the um, there's there's a whole series that I've yet to see that that that's that that's, uh, second the penultimate series apparently is very very good. It's not Children of Earth. It's something like that though. Okay. Well, I'll look into it. Um, well, I think to end, shall we just... I'd like to know, of all the companions we've discussed, mm. if you were to construct the perfect companion for a doctor, mm. a, a generic doctor if there could ever be such a thing, what do you think a companion should have? And to, what qualities should a companion have? Wow. Wow. That's, you just didn't warn me that you were going to ask me that question. I thought it was going to be a completely different question because I was going to go down the route of I'd love to see Jamie McCrimmon McCrimmon with Peter Capaldi's doctor just to see how that would work but no I'm sure Fraser Hines would be up for it I think actually great no, what quali- if, you no. were to, if you were to construct a companion I think the thing that's the, the theme that you've been developing about the uh, the the the, the Education that the, the companion gets. So, an inherently intelligent companion with no pretensions, you know, not Zoe, in other words, 
because I thought she was quite pretentious and you know uh, she was precocious perhaps. precocious pretentious yeah um, so uh, so I think Leela the, the qualities that both Leela and Jamie McCrimmon McCr- I can't say that McCrimmon McCrimmon in Liverpool him right um, and I'm Scottish I should be able to pronounce that but um, so they're kind of the way that they they come and I'm I, I, and the whole thing about the Doctor weaponizing companions, not having it. That their their development, they come in, they come into the TARDIS, they have uh, uh, inherent intelligence, but they're not tutored. And what the Doctor does is reveals to them their inner strength and their inner character by putting them in situations where where they are where they can flourish. So. Uh, and I think it's happened to all the characters, to be fair, except maybe for Martha. I don't think Martha went through too much of an arc, but I think Rose certainly did. I think they all they were all changed by their relationship with the Doctor. So, to answer your point, uh, bright, unpretentious, uh, um, f- not deceitful. <laughs> Clara is fucking deceitful. Um, and um, you know, and I and, and I really, I'm really enjoying this whole story, this this season eight, and the whole story about who Clark, what Clara is doing, and you know, Al and on the podcast that we said we weren't going to mention, but I'm going to mention anyway because I love it so much. Diddly Dumb, Al's got a fucking top theory about all all of which we've touched on about where Clara's going. He's he's bringing in. Uh, uh, Greek tragedy as well uh, it's really it's well worth a listen to or what he's saying about that but Clara is a deceitful she's a bad actor in the philosophical ter- uh, um, terms not as in she can't act well do you know what I mean by a bad actor mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> not a villain but she's not she's she's not helping the doctor by with her actions I don't think but so yeah somebody who is um, the doctor develops but not in a patronising way. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Have I said it? I've kind of been a bit pleonastic about that. I've said the same thing five times. Yes. <laughs> what about you then? Right back at you. I'd agree that I like it when the Doctor takes on intuitive companions who might not be so well educated, which gives them the opportunity to learn and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, unlike you, I quite like it when it, I think... The essence of drama is conflict. Right. And it's all well and good for the Doctor to come up against some kind of alien aggressor mm-hmm. every week um, and for the conflict to be derived from there. But I think there's a lot more meaning to it if the person closest to you is the person that brings in the conflict and the drama. Oh, right. okay. So I quite like it when you've got a character like Turlow where yeah. you can't quite trust them. Yeah. And, you know, when there have been occasions where the Doctor, the few occasions when the Doctor and the Master have had to work together on things. Yeah. Um, I quite like the fact that always fun if the I love it when the companion doesn't necessarily trust the doctor entirely as well right okay there's a certain caution because as as a viewer um, for the most part I know a lot of people during season 8 were very frustrated by the what what seemed to be the nastiness of Peter Capaldi's Doctor mm. and they'd gone from saying well I've loved every Doctor up till now and he's been my friend and I can trust him and I can depend on him but now we've got a Doctor that I can't necessarily depend on but if you were picked up by some eccentric in a blue box that was bigger on the <laughs> inside and whisked yeah. away through time and space mm. 
would you just blindly believe everything they said? That's a very good point. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think that makes a companion far more believable when they don't just take everything as read from the Doctor. When they challenge the Doctor, mm. not necessarily on an intellectual level, but just on a fundamental level, especially the way Clara has done with um, Peter Capaldi in season eight on yeah. a moral and social, socially conscious level. Right. Um, where consistently Peter Capaldi demonstrates that he doesn't understand social conventions right. and doesn't understand when she's wearing makeup or why she, <laughs> and, yeah. and makes comments about her face looking wide or her I eyes looking puffy. Yeah. Like there's or absolutely yeah. there's no there's no concept of social convention there. Well, and then that gets completely and turned of course, around. Though. The, the, that that results in an inherent conflict with someone who is very conventional mm. and understands how to act in polite society. Right. Yeah. There's Why got to be that? the the essence of drama is conflict. Yeah. And if you can't have even the slightest bit of conflict between a doctor and his companion, I'd find it dull. The fact that mm. there was no conflict between. You know, the only real conflict that Martha felt was, why doesn't he pay attention to me the way he did the blonde one that came before me? That's a good point, yeah. That's why she's so uninteresting, because Donna Noble challenged him. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Rose challenged him at at times. Can't say, yeah. There's there's got to be... that They can't... The companion can't just blindly follow the Doctor. There has to be... And whether that means they might secretly be working against him and we don't know right. whether that means they don't trust him entirely mm. or whether that means they just ignore what he says and stamp their feet and act like a stroppy child like mm. uh, some of Peter Davison's companions yeah. d- did. I think conflict is essential in a companion. Right. Essential. Yeah. The ability to develop as a character through... In any story, characters have to develop mm. otherwise there's no point in following it. Mm. But particularly when you're travelling with the Doctor, usually as a human from contemporary Earth who has mm-hmm. no idea about space and time travel, yeah. seeing all these wondrous things, taking in all these new things, either your brain's going to explode immediately yeah. or you're going to learn. Yeah, yeah. Pick one. Yeah. And if you're going to survive, it's got to be the second one. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. And if they're ginger, that helps. <laughs> that's lovely. Man, that's really nice. I think that's, that's a really nice note to, to end on. Except if you're Amy. Because she's ginger. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, Hello. Um, we're on Twitter, at yeah. Binro Was Right. Yeah. And if you want to get in touch with us personally, I'm at Betsy Chevron. I'm at Discriner. Um, you can email us at binrowwasright at gmail.com. Yeah, you can even, if you like to, and we'd love to, love you to, you can leave some comments on the, on our blog, you know, uh, We'd like to widen the discussion out. Or so if you, if you want to ask any questions, just, you know, like Twitter clearly is the best place. Mm. But the problem with Twitter, of course, it all buggers off. And you guys might have something really appetite and wonderful to say that we should discuss and therefore be preserved for as long as we pay the hosting. Or if you have something <laughs> really nice to say, put it in a rating on iTunes. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's great. And you can... Yeah. In fact, uh, definitely do that. And if you're on Facebook, you can like us at Binro Was Right Podcast. Not that I give a fuck about Facebook, but yeah, carry on. Yeah, dude, knock yourselves out. <laughs> then there was me trying to be so polite throughout the whole thing, totally out of character. I've been replaced by a pod person. 